morning, friends. So good to see you today. Especially glad to see Josh and Lizzie uh, back with their little one uh, after her birth. Uh, so great to see you guys today. Let me invite you to open your copy of God's Word to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we are drawing to the end of this middle portion of Mark. Uh, in this middle section, we've described, it's, it's largely about discipleship. Uh, we noted that one of the key phrases uh, throughout this middle section is the phrase, on the way. Uh, Jesus was literally on the way to Jerusalem, and we'll see him arrive next Lord's Day. At the very beginning of chapter 11, he draws near to the city. Uh, but today ends this middle section. Uh, this middle section, he is largely uh, spending time with his disciples, uh, teaching and instructing them privately. Uh, we noted at the beginning how much they had to learn still about who Christ was and what the Messiah and the kingdom of God would be like. We've come to the end of this portion uh, with the account of blind Bartimaeus. So let us, by the way, he's not blind anymore. Uh, can see better than any of us at this point in time. Uh, but the, the man who was formerly known as Blind Bartimaeus. Uh, let me read this account to us. Please follow along in your own copy of God's Word. And if you don't have one, there's one located somewhere underneath the row in front of you should be. And uh, join us as we read the Word together. Hear the Word of God. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is God's word, his inerrant and authoritative word. Let's pray for his help as we look into our passage uh, this morning. Uh, Father, I pray that you would quicken us today. Uh, we, I pray that uh, you would again give us sight to see uh, the truth of your word. Lord, like you did with Barnabas, uh, Barn, Bartimaeus, please give us seeing eyes. Please give us hearing ears. Let your truth penetrate us and transform us, Christ Jesus. I pray that you would quicken me with your grace this morning, that you would strengthen my throat and my mind. And Savior, please work among us. Let your word 
grow us and conform us into the image of Jesus, your son. We ask these things now in your precious name, Lord. Amen. Matt Groening is an American cartoonist, uh, writer, producer, and animator, perhaps best known as the creator of the television series The Simpsons. Uh, Groening received frequently frequent complaints from parents, uh, has in the past, uh, that the main character of his show, Bart Simpson, was a bad role model for children. It was not until Groening had his own children that he issued this apology. I now have a seven-year-old boy and a nine-year-old boy. So all I can say is, I apologize. Now I know what you guys were talking about. Well, when it comes to following Jesus Christ, uh, what was your role model like, or what is your role model like? Did the person who showed you what it was like to follow Jesus actually look and act something like Jesus? Or did your Christian role model look and act something more along the lines of, I don't know, Bart Simpson than Christ? Well, as Mark brings this middle section of his gospel to a close, this section on discipleship, he gives us a role model. Uh, Mark's account of blind Bartimaeus shows us what the ideal disciple looks like, both in how we come to know Christ and what we do after we come to know Christ as our Savior and Lord. What does a disciple of Jesus look like? And what should characterize every disciple of Christ? As we work our way through the four sections of this passage, we'll discover the characteristics of a disciple. There are four sections we need to work our way through today, and we'll find these characteristics of a disciple along the way. In the first section, we find the route. Uh, Mark describes the setting of our passage and reminds us of the route that Jesus was taking to Jerusalem. Up in verse 32, we saw Jesus leading the way with his disciples and others and leading with determination. Uh, an another gospel account says he set his face like flint as he made his way to Jerusalem. There was determination and purpose in his steps as he made his way to Jerusalem in his final showdown with the Pharisees. Mark begins this account of Bartimaeus by reminding his readers, and, and of which you and I are some, that Jesus is again on his way to Jerusalem. And let me point out two things about this route he's taking. First, we see the city where this account takes place. Verse 46 begins... And they came to Jericho. Jericho was the last town, last major town, I should say, that a traveler passed through on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, people are heading towards Jerusalem now to 
uh, celebrate or observe Passover. And Jerusalem, you see, is the last major city. You recall that uh, most Jewish travelers did not take the direct route, Galilee being up here in the ceiling tile, and they did not travel through Samaria. They regarded the Samaria, Samaritans as unclean, and to avoid contamination, they would travel down the Jordan River Valley, cross it uh, just opposite Jericho. Here it is. Cross it just op opposite Jericho. This was the final main stop before they arrived at their destination. Uh, Jericho at this point was a beautiful city. One of the most ancient cities, uh, one of two that uh, had inhabitants uh, stretching back to the earliest of times. Uh, by now the city was quite beautiful. It had recently been renovated by the Herodians and now the city uh, was known as the City of Roses. And Mark tells us that Jesus, his disciples, and a group of fellow, fellow travelers, a group of pilgrims headed to Jerusalem for the Passover, were just leaving the city on this final leg of their journey. Look at how verse 46 goes on. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, there on the final leg of their journey, this part is probably the most strenuous part of their trip uh, because they began now a steady climb uphill. Remember that in the past uh, or throughout scripture, people always travel up to Jerusalem no matter what point on the compass they're coming from. They're traveling up to Jerusalem because it's higher in elevation and compared to Jericho, Jerusalem's a thousand feet higher in elevation. So a great part of this trip would be would have been uphill and quite strenuous. This is, this is the city where our action takes place this morning. Just outside Jericho, on the western side of town, on the road that leads out of the city. From the city of Jericho, the other part of our setting is the subject that Mark uh, involves in this account. Uh, Bartimaeus is his name, and there in the last part of verse 46, we read this. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Here we read an impoverished man, Bartimaeus, not only is he blind, he's also reduced to begging. Uh, he is completely dependent on the kindness of others as they pass by him on the roadside to uh, give him uh, coins so that he can provide for himself. He's seated on this road to Jerusalem, probably anticipating the generosity of all the Jewish pilgrims headed to Passover. And so this is a, an important time for him, maybe his most lucrative time of the year, and he is beside the road uh, hoping to collect funds for himself. So this is the route. Uh, Mark opens uh, by reminding us where Jesus is headed, where he's at right now, and the main subject of this account. From the route, we move on, and we move on to the request. This is 
section two of this account. And here we hear the request of Bartimaeus. And in this request that we hear him shout, uh, we will see three characteristics of this man. Three characteristics that I want to point out to you here. First, I want you to see that Bartimaeus is receptive. He's been receptive to the word of God. Look at verse 47 now. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, between verse 46 and 47, there's obviously a good deal of backstory involved. Because suddenly, well, we find him by the roadside, and, and then suddenly he knows who Jesus is and knows that Jesus is the Messiah and is, is crying out for mercy. So something has gone on to put him in this spot. For example, uh, based on his response, it, it's obvious that Bartimaeus had already heard about Jesus. Uh, sitting beside the road, perhaps here or maybe on the other side of town, sitting beside the road gave him any, a unique vantage point. He would hear all kinds of news from people coming into the city. Uh, news about a teacher named Jesus. And the account that really grabbed his attention was the account about how Jesus had healed a man born blind. You can be sure Bartimaeus grabbed that one and hung on to it. Jesus healed a man born blind. And you can imagine uh, the thoughts that went swirling through his head. I wonder if I met Jesus if he could heal my sight. He had not been blind since birth, we find out later. But I'm sure he treasured, uh, treasured this news account in particular. Uh, in his heart that perhaps he could have his own sight restored. He's obviously heard about Jesus. And further, it seems that he's, he's even concluded at this point that Jesus is the Messiah. This teacher everyone's talking about. He's concluded that, that this Jesus is God's anointed king. That's quite a, quite a reach for a blind beggar to make. It, perhaps he had been outside the synagogue. And perhaps he had overheard uh, someone reading these verses from Isaiah chapter 35. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance with the re recompense of God. Talking about the coming Messiah. Especially this. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. And so Bartimaeus perhaps has heard this from the vicinity of the synagogue or other passages uh, from the prophets like this. And he's put two and two together. The Messiah will open the eyes of the blind. Jesus of Nazareth healed a blind man from a man blind from birth. Jesus must be the Messiah. It's, it's a remarkable insight that he reaches. Hearing the report about Jesus and overhearing this passage or another one like it from uh, the synagogue. 
he has arrived. Otherwise, he would not have shouted out, Jesus, Son of David. That is a specifically messianic title. He's identified Jesus as a, a direct descendant of King David in fulfillment of God's promise that he made in 2 Samuel 7.14. And he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. So you see, he's been receptive. As he's heard the word, as he's heard these accounts of Jesus, he's been receptive to these reports. And this characteristic must be true of any follower of Jesus Christ. He or she must be receptive to the word of God. Can I ask you if you believe that the word of God is true? Do you believe it's true, friend? Uh, maybe somebody's doubting out there. And my purpose is not to weed you out of the crowd this morning. We never do that, and it's okay to work your way through your doubts. But consider what Jesus said about the word of God. Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is true. You're between two horns of a dilemma. Jesus said the word of God was true. Was Jesus right? Or was Jesus incorrect? If Jesus was incorrect, if Jesus made a mistake, if Jesus was wrong, he could not be the perfect son of God. You hear that? Jesus was wrong in John 17, 17, I believe. Well, you lose that. And you've got no perfect sacrifice for sins. And that leaves us all lost. I, on the other hand, believe Jesus was absolutely correct. That the word of God is not just true. He doesn't say, thy word is the truth. It, it's not something that conforms to a higher standard. Uh, he says, your word is true. It is the standard. It is the standard to which everything else must conform. Uh, very important. And discipleship uh, is being receptive to the truth of Scripture, to believe that what's contained in the Bible are the very words of God and that it presents an accurate description of reality. Well, we see to begin with that Bartimaeus is receptive uh, to the Word of God. Secondly, take note, he's also perceptive. He perceived and he understood his desperate condition. This is also in verse 47. Look at his shout again, his cry. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, the word mercy means to show lenience or compassion towards someone, to have pity on someone. He, he perceives that his situation is desperate, that he has no hope of seeing unless Jesus takes notice of him. 
He understands that his only chance of being delivered from darkness is if Jesus the Messiah opens his eyes. So he cries out. You could even say he shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This uh, too must be true of every disciple. We must come to see that that we are spiritually blind, that the Spirit of God must open the eyes of our hearts and enlighten our minds, that we can see our true spiritual condition, which outside of Christ, dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And that only Jesus can heal that blindness and deadness that he can remove the blindness from our eyes and give us hearts that believe. Yes, we must get to this point where we understand our blindness and that we will remain blind unless God has mercy on us. Listen to the word uh, describe this condition. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This uh, blindness is the very reason that Jesus sent Paul to the Gentiles. And on the road to Damascus in Acts, well, this is reported later in the book of Acts, Jesus said to Paul, the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light And from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I really like the way uh, Charles Spurgeon summed it up. Listen to his comment. The case of Bartimaeus is but a picture of our own. We are all by nature blind and poor. We are unable to discern our lost estate, unable to behold the blackness of sin or the terrors of the wrath to come. We are blind until he has opened our eyes. That's really important. It's really, really important. Like Bartimaeus, we are powerless uh, in our sinful state. We cannot come to Christ until he draws us to himself, until he gives us sight, and we see the Spirit of God already at work in the heart of Bartimaeus. I want to show you one more characteristic of Bartimaeus. He's receptive to the word. He's perceptive of his own condition. But then third, he is persistent. Look at the faith of Bartimaeus. It is a persistent, pursuing faith. Look at verse 48 now. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's an embarrassment. He's making, as they say, he's making a scene. You know how it is in a restaurant when somebody starts raising their voice and you know something's wrong and it's... It's unsettling, it's embarrassing, and this is what's going on here. They want him to shut up. Get him out of here. Uh, he, he's, he's a beggar. And But does this deter Bartimaeus? 
This is his, maybe his only chance to have his sight restored. Because he doesn't know if Jesus will pass this way again. In fact, he will not. So he doesn't shut up like they want him to. He renews his efforts. You want me to be quiet? I'll give you quiet. It says he cried out all the more. And he shouts out even more loudly. He's got a set of lungs on him. Let's give him that. And the verb tense indicates that it's continuous. He's like your neighbor's radio that he just won't turn down. It just goes on and on. Shouts of, Son of David, have mercy on me. This is what we read about earlier. Bless him. Uh, it says in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And, and probably a couple other Beatitudes he pictures for us as well. Friends, this is true of any disciple of Jesus, that they have hunger for Christ, thirst for him, and it's not a momentary spasm. We've all been in churches where that happens, where the music drones on and they really get you worked up and suddenly you've got people crawling out of the woodwork to gather down front and, and the next day everything is back to normal. We're not talking about a spasm. We're not talking about an emotional high. Uh, a true disciple knows that nothing else will satisfy him or her that only Christ will do, and that they must have him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Again, let me uh, quote Charles Spurgeon. It is the burning lava of the soul that has a furnace within, a very volcano of grief and sorrow, it is that burning lava of prayer that finds its way to God. Be not afraid of being too earnest or too persevering. If we would get heaven, we must carry it, not by one desperate assault, but by a continuous blockade. A continuous blockade. Bartimaeus is persistent and determined to have Christ. Almost like uh, uh, Jacob wrestling the angel of the Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. And this is the spirit we see in Bartimaeus. And it's the spirit that every disciple must have, that hunger for Christ, uh, that, that knows he is what our souls need. He is the only solution for our darkness and our sinful condition. So this is, this is the request of Bartimaeus, and we see these three characteristics through his request. He's, he's receptive to the word of God. He's believed what, what he has overheard at the synagogue. He has believed these reports about Jesus. Now, whether that's exactly what took place I don't know, but something surely along those lines happened for Bartimaeus to make the request he does. 
He's been receptive to what he's heard. And he's also perceptive of, of just how desperate his condition is and that Christ is the only one who can cure his blindness. And, and then he's persistent in it. He will not stop shouting until he has the attention of Christ. Well, we move on to this third section of our account now. And here we find the response both the response of Jesus to Bartimaeus and Bartimaeus to Jesus. So let's look at the response of Jesus first. Uh, this is in verse 49. Please wake up and look at your Bible now and look at these next three words. And Jesus stopped. Compare this with how determined he was to get to Jerusalem and get on with his mission. He's not, he's not wasting time on, this, on the way, on this trip. And given that he is leading his disciples forward to Jerusalem, it's remarkable that he stopped. More literally, it says, Jesus stood still. Jesus stood still. He, determined to get Jerusalem, he allows the cries of a blind beggar to stop him in his tracks. The Son of Man. And last week we looked again at all that's loaded into that title of Jesus the Son of Man, God Himself, is brought to a screeching halt by the loud cries of Bartimaeus. That is a remarkable thing. I want you to see further, as verse 49 continues, that Jesus calls Bartimaeus to Himself. And Jesus stopped and said, Call Him. This word refers to a summons, a direct order. Come. And the crowd joins in at the end of verse 49. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. Um, what a different tune they're singing now. Take heart. Have courage, Bartimaeus. Rest assured. He summoned you. This is how Jesus responds to everyone who cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. To each one who sees his darkness and knows that Christ is the only answer, this is how Jesus will respond. He gives us this insurance and passes like Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Are you blind? Are you desperate? Are you thirsty today? Jesus says, come to me. To those who perceive the danger that their sinful position has put them in, Jesus says, come. He says this in, in uh, Matthew. 
come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, if you see yourself like Bartimaeus, if you know you're blind, if you know Jesus is the only answer to your darkness, then, friend, I plead with you, come. Come. In this service, he is standing still for you to come to him. And today is the day for you to get off the fence. Because Christ is calling you to right now. Look at his response. I really like his response. Uh, verse 50 gives us, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Bartimaeus does his impression of a jack-in-the-box, leaps to his feet, and comes to Jesus, throwing off his cloak. This would have been his outer garment uh, uh, that doubled for a blanket at night, and probably the only thing he owned, aside from his, uh, his uh, other garment underneath that. He, he throws it off and springs up and jumps up and answers his summons. Has Christ called you to himself? Have you jumped up and said, yes, I will follow? This is true of every genuine follower. Jesus calls and they come. They will come. They can't help it. Uh, Jesus says this in John 36, all that the Father gives me. Look at those glorious words. Look at those glorious words. Will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Have you heard that call? And have you come? This is the response of Bartimaeus. And so in this third section, we see not only how Jesus responds to the shouts and cries of desperate Bartimaeus, we see how Bartimaeus responds in glee uh, to Jesus' summons. Well, this brings us to the fourth section of our narrative this morning. And the fourth section, in the fourth section, we see the recovery. Bartimaeus' sight is restored by Jesus. And we find this in verse 51. Look there. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Think now. This is the very same question he asked James and John last week. That's the same question he asked James and John. You remember what James and John said? Lord, we want to sit on your right and left hand in your glory. And think about how completely different this is. And it really is an example of how the first will become last and the last will become first. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, and really 
the Greek word is the more formal term rabboni. Rabboni. And this is a word that is hardly ever used for a human in Jewish literature. It's most often used to address God in prayer. And this too reveals uh, what Bartimaeus believes about Jesus, that Jesus is God. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi or Rabboni, let me recover my sight. Restore my sight. And that indicates that at one time he did have sight. Uh, Rabbi, I've heard how you healed a man born blind. I'm not that bad off. All I want is for you to restore my sight that I once had. And Jesus answers and restores his sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. What faith is Jesus referring to when he says your faith has made you well? Well, it's Bar Bartimaeus. It's the faith Bartimaeus displayed uh, in Isaiah's predictions about the Messiah that he would restore sight to the blind. Faith in the Word of God. Bartimaeus displayed faith in the reports he had heard about Jesus, especially the one where he healed the man born blind. And for us, this would be the New Testament accounts. Again, he displayed faith in what would become the New Testament. Bartimaeus displayed his belief that Jesus was God's anointed king, the very Messiah himself. And Bartimaeus displayed faith that Jesus the Messiah could restore his sight. His faith in Jesus made him well. And, and you could even translate this phrase, your faith has made you well. You could translate it, your faith has saved you. Because Jesus had addressed both physical and spiritual needs uh, of Bartimaeus. He delivered him from physical darkness, restoring his eyesight. And he had delivered him from spiritual darkness by opening the eyes of his heart. And what you have standing before you now is a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not son of Timaeus. Now he's a son of his father, God. He is a child of God. And that Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus has true saving faith is demonstrated by his actions at the end of verse 52. This last phrase, and perhaps almost the most important of the whole, whole passage, Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, there's our phrase, on the way. Followed him on the way. Bartimaeus, having gotten rid of his only possession, his cloak, will now uh, become a learner and a follower and travel along with Jesus on the way. There are terms related to discipleship and discipleship will be the result. Listen, please. Discipleship following Jesus 
will be the result in all those whom Jesus has truly saved. I don't think you believe this, so I'm going to say it again. Uh, discipleship will be the result in all those whom Jesus has truly saved. It's not... If I've said this a million times, here's a million one. It's not that you take care of your sin at the cross and then you go on and do whatever. That's not at all what we see here today, is it? It is, it is the commitment of his life that he's, re he's removed his blindness that he can now see uh, and that he's been uh, restored by Jesus, the Messiah. The only natural thing for Bartimaeus to do is of course I'll come after you. I will follow you. Friend, this is inherent part of becoming a Christian is becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Are you a follower? Do you follow in his footsteps? Do you listen to his words every day? Do you hear what he has to say to you? This is a desperate thing in America because there is so much of this that is absent, friends. There are many professors, fewer disciples. I'm so concerned that everyone seated here today not just profess to know Christ, but actually follow him and do what he tells us to do. That's the mark of a disciple. So can I ask you, are you doing what he's told you to do in his word? Are you living not by your own steam, but uh, are you living following him by the indwelling power of God's spirit? Let me tell you, I've got no steam on my own. Can I get an amen? amen? Dang. Every year I lose a little more steam. <laughs> and many times when I get up on Sunday morning, I utter Bartimaeus' prayer. Lord, have mercy. I am not up to the task. We don't do it by ourselves. We follow with the Spirit driving us to follow. That this is inherent in becoming a Christian, this following. It's the very thing that Jesus said in Luke 9. Uh, Jesus says in Luke 9, Hey, Spencer, give me a hand. I can't get to Luke 9. This is what Jesus says. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Oh, it's not just for the super spiritual ones because here's the beginning. If anyone would come after me, that's the call. You want to follow Jesus? Do you want forgiveness of sins? Then, friend, join him. Let, him. let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then Matthew 10, 
And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And we've divorced this following part from uh, the saving part. But they're, they're, they're of a single piece and they cannot be divorced. One scholar said it so strongly. He said it like this, and this is going to push you back a little bit. Faith does, that does not lead to discipleship is not saving faith. Did you hear that? Faith that does not lead to discipleship is not saving faith. So I ask you, are, are you a disciple? Are you following along the way like Bartimaeus? This is our fourth section. So I'm completely locked out now. I can't do anything up here. As an example of I can't do anything in my own steam. So forget the screen. So again, this is Mark bringing our middle section to a close. And as he brings it to a close, of, uh, as he brings, uh, comes to an end of describing life on the way, he gives us a role model to follow. Um, what does a disciple look like? What should characterize every disciple? Well, we walked our way through this, the four sections of our passage. First, we saw the route Jesus took. And then we heard Bartimaeus' request. And it's here that we saw three characteristics of Bartimaeus. He was receptive to the word. He was perceptive of his spiritual condition. And he was persistent in his pursuit of Christ. And then third, we saw the response both of Jesus to Bartimaeus and Bartimaeus to Jesus. And then finally, we saw the recovery of Bartimaeus' sight and noted in particular that a genuine disciple follows Jesus on the way. Here again, what's a, what's a, a, a genuine disciple look like? Well, according to Bartimaeus and the Holy Spirit, he's receptive to God's word. He's perceptive of his spiritual condition. He's persistent in his pursuit of Christ. And he follows Christ on the way. Let me pray for us as we conclude. Jesus, make this true of every one of us seated here today. Those who uh, might be mere professors. Those who are genuine followers. And those who know that they're not your disciples. I pray that you would work in each kind of heart represented in this room today. Lord, that we would see our desperate sickness, our desperate blindness, Christ Jesus, and that we would turn to you and answer your call and that you would give us sight and that we could see. Jesus, give us a persistent hunger for you that we won't let go until we've got you. We won't stop pursuing until we lay hold of you. And Lord, please make us all followers 
in the way. That like Barnabas, we leave everything aside, jump up and follow you and pursue you. Do this work among us, in us, by your good spirit. Savior, we ask all these things in your precious name. Amen.